0: Hey, Hello, everyone. So welcome to the first episode of the 226. Exactly. Uh, 226 is a podcast
1: about a variety of different topics. We'll kind of explore that as mm-hmm. we go along, I think is the plan. But um, uh, the 226 is the house address for the residents that we're at right now. Yep. It's the lower level of the apartment uh, where we're recording this podcast, at least for right now. Well, yeah. Um, originally, we were gonna. How are we gonna do it? We're gonna. <sighs> the name? Yeah, we were. Oh we man. <laughs> were planned on thinking on about the name live, and then deciding what it should be called during the first episode. But we decided to. Yeah, we saw that going very badly in many <laughs> different ways. <laughs> it was very interesting though because we were both looking for. What well, we we looked for a synonym for. Uh, Conversation. Conversation. We looked for it at the exact same time without knowing it. So we both looked in the thesaurus for conversation and found things like tete-a-tete or vis-a-vis. Which are really Um, cool. Very interesting names, but uh,
0: very difficult to make work, I think, with a... We're not French, so... If you do look up uh, conversation synonyms, tete-a-tete and vis-a-vis are both um, like two-person conversations, think of two chairs facing each other and those chairs are connected so those conversations are just being had uh, kind of intimately with those two people um, supposed to be maybe the theme
1: for this show is just Yeah. A conversation about whatever topic we're bringing to the table
0: but before we get to that we should probably introduce ourselves so I'm John uh, so what do you want to know about me I have a ton of passions um, started off probably first passion ever was music, uh, grew up in a family of music, play piano, trumpet, all sorts of stuff like that. And that's influences me in so many different ways. Huh? Just like practice etiquette and getting stuff done, things like that. Uh, from there, I got a lot into video pictures. Um, I'm a essentially full-time photographer now, can I say that? I would say so. I think your full-time wedding photographer is definitely within the realm of yeah, possibility. At least financially. So financially, it's definitely a thing. Yeah. So I do that also. Um, that's a really big passion of mine. Love making images, sharing those with people, getting people smiling through it. Um, absolutely love that. Uh, I think that's all you need to know about me for now.
1: Yeah, more will come up as. Oh, yeah. we, as we go along. Yeah. Uh, my name is also John. Um, my big area of interest is also in music, but more in the production side of it. So, eight years ago, I was at my grandpa's house, and I've been raised to play piano and played trumpet and a few other variety of different instruments. And uh, saw GarageBand on his one of those big tube Macs that he had oh, at his house, yes. and so I started playing around with that and seeing what it was like to um, to compose a song in that software and. It was actually a year later, we were planning on taking another trip to my grandparents house and I had, I knew that that was going to be my next time that I would be able to make a song mm-hmm. on a, on a computer and like write it down and be able to do all the things that I wanted to. So I kind of planned the entire song in my head and then went there and I was able to make the song on the computer. Save it and then email it to myself, or emailed it to my dad. Actually, that was before I even had an email. Oh, so that was about who? Jeez. Yeah. I was a sophomore in high school, I think. Just when computers were starting to become a, an essential part of education, just mm-hmm. everyday lives in at least our culture. So that started. Uh, oh, it's been what ten? maybe 15 years. I can't remember. Somewhere around. It's been a long journey uh, (laughs) to where I was today. I went to college and I started getting into more of electronic music, Mm -hmm. Um, all sorts of different kinds. There's the hip hop kind of, there's the trap, there's dance music, four on the floor, your typical house Things. Just learning a lot of different things about music synthesis, making your own sounds, how to make those sounds sound good with each other. That, I guess, would be my main passion. So yeah. just uh, editing songs, making little mashups, making uh, that, all sorts of different stuff. I like to try to keep my mind open and uh, see, where, see where things take me. Happy little accidents, right? Bob Ross. <laughs> um, other areas of interest I have are also... Um, with uh, photography and video. I did take some broadcasting classes and was very interested in those things before I even met yeah. John. Um, so that kind of shows how we <laughs> we gelled so well together because our interests are so similar. Um, another one of mine is uh, racing. So yeah. open wheel car racing. I, I love it, um, especially something like Formula One. So uh, could talk about that all day. Um, also running is another big passion yeah. of mine. I've been a, a running a, an
0: athlete uh, for a, for some time, and I believe John is starting to get into that as well. Yeah, training for a half marathon right now. Uh, that's going well. Discovering blisters are a thing. <laughs> um, but now a 10 mile run coming up this weekend, so I'm excited, I'm excited. Yeah. A lot of work, but. Yeah, we're both kind of sore right now. I yeah, oh, <laughs> intervals
1: From the there. intervals <laughs> and running the day before, so. Um, I guess moving on, we should talk about just the outline of the show, how yes. it's going to, to go on a normal episode that isn't the pilot. Uh, normal episode will probably have a brief introduction and we'll introduce a topic, something that we'll talk about for um, the episode, and I think episodes will be what, about 40 minutes? 40, 40 minutes, to, minutes an to an hour somewhere in there, so we'll, we'll have the topic and we'll each bring three to five points to the table Mm -hmm. and we'll just discuss them maybe we'll find something similar maybe we'll go down a rabbit hole Mm -hmm. knows? i'm excited to find out how how things happen but uh we thought a good topic for the first show would be creative content because that's kind of a a meta topic considering this is a creative type podcast and that Mm -hmm. cater more to the people that we would think would listen to this kind of uh, productions. So, creative content is the theme for this week, and so we each brought uh, a number of different points, things that we think are important about that topic, or things that
0: influence us or drive us, and so on. So, all right. So, creativity, like, is this? It's so ambiguous. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. it's the great thing. Um, so maybe it's such a huge topic for a first episode, but. The first thing I wrote down was like, why why do we do anything creative? So like, what in the brain says, hey, let's make this, or hey, let's go out and just do this. On the way over here, I was thinking of interior designers and just like, why, why would they say, oh, this room looks terrible, and then continue on to rearrange furniture, buy new furniture, paint a wall. Just like something as simple as room decorations, even. But then you get into like the media that we're into, like making music, um, videos, pictures, and what in the brain goes, "Hey, I want to do this. I want to make this." Is it uh, maybe for the aesthetics of the of the of the piece? I don't know. But like, it's just such an interesting topic to me. I don't think there's ever going to be a real answer. Oh no! I think it would probably vary from person to person for yeah. sure, especially even from
1: One person in different situations might be making something different for different reasons, but... Yeah. There is always something, I think, that drives them or pushes them
0: towards making whatever content they... And then it's like, is that something, is that within every person making something? Or are you solely doing it for someone else at that point? I suppose. So like YouTubers who start off and they make like 10 videos, maybe. And they get through those first ten videos, and every single one of those videos is a super huge passion project, yeah. and it's this creativity thing that just gets shared like crazy. And then all of a sudden, they've got ten thousand followers, and yeah. they're making bigger and better things. And then, like, at what point, or maybe not at what point, does that YouTube channel ever stop being a creative thing for themselves, or they're just doing it for followers at that point?
1: I suppose. And that might touch into some artist integrity there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess I would hope regardless of whether we have two people listening to this podcast or two million, I wouldn't really want to change anything. No. I mean, I would always be striving to continue to improve on what I know and how we go about doing it, but I don't think I would want that to change or I don't think my drive would change. I don't think why I'm no. doing this would change. Yeah. It's all about personal growth and then using conversation as a means of
0: um, expanding upon that. So, Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Trying to be authentic to yourself, I think, is a big part yeah. of creativity. And people
1: notice that, too. Oh, yeah. Especially in sure. the music realm. You see, oh, you hear a <laughs> sellout. Um, I'm not sure much of it. You, you follow more photographers, yeah. but... Uh, I'm sure there have been some who who rise to a certain amount of popularity, and then they start to have access to um, other means of doing things, and then maybe their drive changes. It becomes more about uh, how they can make another dollar, or uh, I I mean I I really can't put myself
0: in their shoes, but mm-hmm. now in the like photography realm, I see this in wedding photographers actually, so. I've only been doing weddings for two years now. I've got 20 under my belt, something like that. I have one tomorrow, actually. No, Saturday. Uh, Whatever, it feels like tomorrow. (laughs) Um, So I kind of see these two groups. There's the groups, there's one side that they make all these super bright, happy pictures to please other people and there's nothing, like there's creativity there and there's great There's great creation, that's repetitive, but they're doing wonderful things. But then there's another group that their pictures are also just a little bit different. Like none of, no wedding looks the same, you know? Or, like you can tell they have their style, but it's unlike anyone else. They have their little niche. Exactly, exactly. In the way they shoot things. So it's like, are you going to appeal to everyone? Or are you going to appeal to yourself and let people come to you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and which one of those is more authentic? Which one of those do you
0: think will have better results in the end? Yeah. It depends. Yeah. So. Another thing like that, uh, Terry Redlin. I don't know if I have, have you heard of Terry Redlin. I've heard you mention the name a few times. Yeah. So, uh, I mentioned I'm into music. Went on a Wind Symphony tour last year, we visited the Terry Redlin Art Museum. Okay. Mm in South Dakota, I think, Yeah, something like that. Um, and Terry Redlin, I think, what was the thing they said, he was the most popular painter in America? Something, Interesting. Or like, America's most loved painter. How you get that to be an objective title, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> but he was that. Um, and so yeah, like, you look at his paintings, and he, he's an incredible artist. Really knows how to play with light and create all these scenes, but you walk through the hall where all his paintings are Uh, One they're all all on the exact same size canvas All horizontal except for two and keep in mind. There's like 200 300 paintings goodness. Okay, so all like three foot by two foot uh, Canvas and then you look at them and they're almost all the exact same painting so he painted, like, nature scenes, farm scenes, kind of mm-hmm. scenes from the Midwest. It's in South Dakota. We're in the Midwest. Um, but he gave the people what they wanted rather yeah. than, like, being true to himself, I think. Yeah. And he never really expanded from the first painting that really sold or r- people really <clears throat> liked. Exactly.
1: Was, was he still alive, I believe? I, I believe I was... I think I did some student teaching out in Watertown and that's where the museum I believe is. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around there, at least they were talking about it. I think they were saying something or I heard a conversation about how he was he was still living, maybe not as an artist anymore, <laughs> but he was still still alive and he had some family around him. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see like a different an artist's path depending on what they use to let motivate them, how that would change throughout their career. And of course you can never go back and try a different, you can't try it again, but definitely an interesting uh, idea. What, what pushes you to do art? Yeah. Or like, what was his goal, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So good stuff. Um, I have a point about, um, very similar topic. I think is the, what is the goal of your creative content? And then how do you let that make, um, Decisions about the specific piece of work that you're working on. Okay. So that's kind of Pitting the what versus the how. So a lot of people know how to take a picture, right? You just kind of point the camera but once you start to um, Have ideas about what you're trying to accomplish with this picture. You want this to be Aesthetically pleasing well, then you get like your rule of thirds and whatnot. You can compose your shot differently That's just a basic example of letting um, the how guide your actions
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I see this all over the place. I'm not sure how many people have seen the, the a, a movie that came out recently was uh, suicide squad. Yep. And before I even went to the C I think it was a week after it was released something like that. I it was getting horrible reviews, yeah. just absolutely terrible. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go watch this movie for the specific purpose of figuring out why this movie is getting terrible reviews from so many people. I'm, I'm often skeptical of critics because they'll be very critical of movies that I thought were very good. Say, um, Oblivion, I thought was a fantastic yeah. movie. Yeah. There's a great plot twist. I mean, there might be a plot hole or two, but I very much appreciated just the way that that story was told. And uh, that got terrible reviews as well. So I went to Suicide Squad and I watched it and everything about the movie was... Like, from a, a movie standpoint, like a, a shot standpoint, each, each shot was composited very well. Mm-hmm. There weren't many. That, I mean, if you took any individual frame of that movie and put it up on the wall, you'd be like, oh, that's a good, a well-framed shot. Yeah. I mean, aside from something like maybe a fight scene where it's blurry and fast action. But yeah. everything was, was there visually. But what this, it didn't do is it didn't tell a story very well at all it jumped all over the place there are way too many details the joker was more of a side character is more of a supporting character i don't know i don't want to spoil the movie for you if you end up watching it but um there is just they tried to pack so much into a two-hour show which probably could have taken maybe an entire season really which is why something like game of thrones i think is able to Um, they they have all of that that freedom they've got 10 hours basically worth of footage that they can tell a story where you might only go a certain amount of time so there's just a lot more time to develop those things they don't have to condense it and try to pack it into this tiny little space and that's what i thought suicide squad did is it didn't tell a story very well so they kind of compromised the the how or maybe they were asking the wrong question maybe they were just trying to make money off of that movie which I wouldn't yeah. be surprised about um, but I think every movie every song should tell some kind of story yeah it should be able to put you in that moment and and you feel like you're maybe a part of it or you can empathize with some of the characters things like that but you should always be able, especially with movies I think it should be about telling a story so how do you tell a good story and if you apply those questions to a Suicide Squad, you end up with this, just a complete mess. And that's mm-hmm. why I think uh, that that movie didn't get very good reviews. And I mean, it, although it was, I mean, it was somewhat enjoyable. I tried to appreciate it for what it was, but yeah. uh, it was definitely not the best movie that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, not the worst, maybe. Maybe I haven't thought about what my worst movie I've ever seen is. But I don't think I have either. Maybe that'll be something interesting. You kind of find your best movie and worst movie. We should then, just watch some terrible movies. That's what we should do, I think. We might have a show on that
0: later. Terrible movies. Terrible, terrible movies. spreading a down. We're right. <laughs> it might happen. Um. Oh, storytelling. I think storytelling might be the answer to why, what, and how. That was the wrong order. Why, how, and what. No? It, it very well could be. Yeah. There's
1: a... Um, a theory that we've studied in class before for communication mm-hmm. and uh, uh one of them is called the narrative paradigm i think a, a guy named fisher he just saw that stories were a part of the lives of every person every person has told a story before yeah. about their day mm-hmm. about you know paul bunyan about just like yeah. it, from a wide variety of different um impacts and yeah. intensities. There's just, their stories are part of what it means to be alive. Mm-hmm. So he, he saw that and then how to tell a good story is maybe um, something that we can explore
0: further. Yeah. So stories are definitely a huge part of the human narrative. Exactly. And they're so powerful. You think of like presentations. Oh yeah. That just, like, if you start off with a start, you're going to grip the entire audience. TED Talks kind of do that. Yes. Man. It's more your specialty, but... I love TED Talks, oh man. That's another, that's another episode we yeah, should go down. Yeah, we, <laughs> we should avoid that rabbit hole, for sure. That's true. Um, okay, so this... So we've talked about, like, the why, what, how, storytelling, all of that. Now, like, where does creative content come from, and, like, how is it used? Yeah. yeah. So... Obviously, humans make creative content. Although, we just watched a trailer. Oh, yeah. Right before the show. Morgan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They took Watson and they gave him the final cut, I believe. And he was able to determine whether there was a scene that was uh, tender, intense, scary. And he kind of composed or gave the shot selection for a trailer. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know the details or how extensively he was used. But uh, anyway,
0: that was a good question. Yeah, if you don't know, uh, Watson is IBM's artificial intelligence yes. computer. Um, he's won Jeopardy before, right? I believe so. He just
1: cleaned house. And yeah. Basically an incredible piece of machinery. And it's yeah. it's nice to see him being used in a variety of different ways. And they kind of posed the question, I believe, what, can computers make art? Mm-hmm. Are they able to do that? Are they able to to analyze things the way that we would, and then come up with a, a product that is inspired by that? Mm-hmm. So, uh, maybe another question for a different time as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. The oh, idea I, of purpose for for art, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. I think the human element is what gives creative content that special. <laughs> Humanity, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. There's just something
1: intangible, intangible. There's something that you Works. just can't put your finger on, especially at this time of the morning. I just, you just, there's nothing yes. that you can say. Oh yeah, that was made by, um, by someone who knew what they were doing. There's just, and you compare that to like what a computer taking a photo. Like you might not be able to tell the difference, but yeah. you can still tell Just yeah. some. It's very, very gray lines, mm-hmm. but, um, you have a sense for what it is. I think when you kind of try to analyze things yeah. or
0: look at them in a new ways. So I think of photojournalists and like how they use images. Oh yeah. So you got a photojournalist who goes to, okay, just say anywhere in Africa that's suffering right now, mm-hmm. um, somewhere that doesn't have water, like, yeah. such vital to human life and. They're taking these pictures of people with the purpose of telling their story, showing the emotions going on here, and what happens through a set of like through a set of maybe twenty images. And how do you do that? How do you capture that raw emotion and then portray that to people who have had water their entire life, who have internet the entire life? Um, and I think that's the power of creative content, is you can really. You can portray emotion in such a way that it grips other people. You can it moves to action. Take maybe. the people who look at what you do and
1: kind of put them in, in whatever shoes you want them to fill at that time. Yeah, that's empathy. That's uh, that's what makes us feel emotions about things. Mm-hmm. It makes us sympathize with characters, and, and it comes up in photojournalism, movies, mm-hmm. even music. It's yeah so like many different ways of lyrics yeah exactly lyrics why do you use this chord versus another chord yes why do you go minor here why do you not follow whatever cadence you thought that your ear thought it was going to go to mm-hmm. the various things like that just all over the place so many questions to ask so many various mediums to cover um, but <laughs> they guess. all have cool. that one theme: is that you can you can use those tactics to make people feel some
0: type of way, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the use is just to create emotion in people. Yeah. Maybe something like that. There's many uses. And you've said that before. Emotion is the, uh, how did you
1: say it? Oh. Emotion is the, the core of what makes us something like that. It's a very, it's an essential part of, of... Creative content, especially, but even just being alive, just yeah. functioning, it's it's an essential part of of who we are. So, yeah. Uh, moving on, I guess, is uh, at a second point, using what you have. So I kind of alluded to this in my introduction. Is that when I was a freshman and sophomore in high school, I had no means to make music and record it. Um, In a way that I could listen to it again or show other people Mm -hmm. what I knew how to do other than performing it live Just on the piano, but I had a whole ton. I had a drum part. I had there's a a synth I think there's a couple other different elements to to this song that I just couldn't do live using just a piano I didn't have uh, Very much to work with but I did have that one tool that one asset was my grandpa's very large to map computer that I, I was that I went back to and that's that was what I had hmm and so everything about what I was making the song that I made was designed to be used in inside that one program Yep. and then it worked out I think you have a, a similar experience for using a camera you had the <laughs> Alright, so funny story, we just found a limitation on the camera that we're using right now to record this show, and that's (laughs) that we have only 30 minutes of record time, and we're not even planning on using video as the primary uh, medium for this show, but we just discovered a new constraint, Mm -hmm. and so we're going to have to build that into how we conduct further episodes, because we're going to know that we only have 30 minutes to record before the camera shuts off. We were about what, one or two minutes more in to our show. And we heard the camera, the lens kind of refocused for a second. we were like, "Uh Oh, that's scary. (laughs) We have to, (laughs) we have to go make sure that this is working out. But, um, so we, we just discovered a constraint and we're going to have to use that and maybe be creative in a different way or maybe make a a convenient cut halfway through our show and, and see where that takes us. So, um, the idea that Constraint breeds creativity. Uh, can flow through a variety of different mediums, yeah. from podcasts to music to photojournalism. Yeah. Anything that uh, that you make, use those use those tools that you have.
0: Um, I think uh, I just love the interesting place where constraint breeds creativity. The show Chopped or oh, yeah. Iron Chef, like years. Exactly. An element that you have to use in your dish that has to me the main focus you don't know what it is also you only have 30 minutes to make this go like that's the idea of the show is based off of that premise that you yeah. have to be creative
1: with within a certain boundary yeah and that's so fun to watch like that's why the Network oh, yeah.
0: succeeds right? <laughs> that and I'm hungry and yeah I'm super
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: so oh and you just yeah, I never thought chefs were that creative We're like, I knew, I love chefs, um, but
1: I just never thought of it like this. Yeah. From a creative standpoint, as you are making content, it happens to be something that I can eat. (laughs) Yes. I love that. It might
0: be the best kind of content.
1: Did you have a, you used to have a a T3I, I believe, right? Yeah. Was that something that you found constrained
0: you in ways that forced you to be more creative? Oh, for sure. Um. So I bought this T3i, what, four years ago, I think, four or five, uh, for the sole purpose of shooting a lip-dub at my school, um, back in high school, my senior year. And um, for that purpose and for starting out, there are so many features I had no idea what they all meant. Um, but then you, you start taking more pictures, shooting more videos, uh, getting through all this content that you're making, learn more about the camera, and that's when you find all the constraints. Yep. So, up until last year, I was still using this camera for professional video shoots. Because um, once you really know a piece of equipment, you can push it to those limitations. Mm-hmm. You know, how to use it to its max potential. Even if it's like, okay, I need to go find this third-party software to give it this extra feature to... But you're still expanding that. and It's kind of like the zone of proximal development in my mind. Yeah. Love that theory. Um, but, so it definitely held me back, but I had to be creative in other ways just because I wouldn't have been able to produce content. Definitely. Um, so
1: the zone of proximal development yeah, for those of you who might that. not know what that means is a, an educational theory by uh, Vygotsky, one of my favorites um, uh, education specialists. He's more of a psychologist, I think. He did a lot yeah. of work with the mind and uh, child development, but that was one of his theories for how people learn and we're both education majors Yep. and maybe that should be stated as well. I suppose. Um, but his theory was if you're within a really comfortable range of, of your ability as a student, so if your teacher is giving you things that you already know how to do, mm-hmm. you're not learning. That is kind of understated. But yeah. Once you start getting into things where you don't know how to do this but you can still do it with help, with assistance, with guidance, Um, that's the zone of proximal development, that's where optimal learning occurs. There's another zone outside of that, which is the frustration zone, which a lot of students find themselves in, is that they're not able to do what they're asked, even with help. Mm -hmm. So they're in this state of, we're lost, and that's when, as a teacher, you kind of have to backtrack and figure out, you know, where did they, stop being able to do what I'm asking them to do. What is it that they're not understanding? And yeah. that's an, another essential part of teaching, which is probably a topic we'll get to soon. Definitely. Yeah. Um, is that being able as a teacher to put yourself in the shoes of your students, to put yourself in their mind and understand things the way that they are understanding them is a quality that every teacher should have. That's something that every she- teacher should be able to do. And if because if you're not able to do that, then what good is being able to do multivariate calculus? Yeah. You know, if you can't understand where your students are, knowledge isn't like a. I can't transfer knowledge to you. It's not like I can mm-hmm. download what I understand into your brain. I have to be able to facilitate that in, in learning. Yes. So if I'm teaching you something about audio, I can't just be. I just can't, I can't just give it to you directly. I have to create an environment in where you can learn it for yourself. Yeah. That's what teaching is. Like teachers can teach, but they can't learn for their students. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of teachers miss that point, but yeah. anyway, I digress. <laughs> Fun stuff, being <laughs> um, constrained, finding yourself in a place where you're able to, to go about things differently and yeah. come up with some very interesting results, that is for sure. Yeah. So sure. Uh, next point. Yeah, let's touch on that. Uh, self-promotion. So this is something I see a lot with, uh, wannabe DJ producer type yeah. people. You see it all the time on SoundCloud or Facebook or whatever. And I mean, a lot of times the, the content that they put out isn't very, isn't terrible, mm-hmm. but there's this idea of self-promotion that just it rubs me the wrong way, I'm not gonna lie. I, yeah. I tried not to, to be a self-promoter. Mm-hmm. I think that my content, if I make anything, should sell itself. Yes. If my content isn't getting people to, wow. I mean, of course, you do have to share it with some people, yeah. but, but the idea of like, just putting it forward and not giving anything in the first place so you I mean you can share it with a community, but if he, all you're doing is saying like, here, look at my stuff, here, look at my stuff, here, follow me, here, yeah. subscribe, like, I just, it just, something about that just doesn't resonate with me very well. And I see it on yeah. YouTube videos, SoundCloud, the whole follow us, that's not, I'm not gonna ask anyone listening to this to follow us. No. I think if what we talk about is worthwhile to them and they think it's interesting and valuable to their lives, that is something that they will do on their own yeah so that's not something I want to pressure people into doing I think um, maybe hinting at what we'll talk about next week or things things like that might be more better ways to build intrigue through an audience but I don't think that saying follow me follow me follow me is a very good way of getting followers that are actually loyal to what you do
0: yeah um, Oh, Corridor Digital on YouTube. Yes. YouTube channel makes action videos. I remember, yeah. Um, They're a great channel. You should check them out. Uh, super popular. But they just started making these videos for fun because they enjoyed it. They're mm-hmm. film students, I think. Um, yeah. And at the end of their video, they don't say, like, hey, subscribe and stuff. They'll say, like, consider subscribing. So it's, yeah, it's... More of an idea. Yeah. So it's just kind of planting the seed I think yeah Um, the other thing I'm struggling with like self-promotion right now so it's like as a wedding photographer like do you just let it all be word of mouth which I've essentially done up to this point like I didn't have a Facebook page until two months ago something Mm -hmm. like that yeah early summer I remember yeah don't have a website business cards it's mainly been word of mouth of how stuff happens (laughs) So it's creating that content that is so captivating, captivating creative content. That that's your self promotion. It's just what you make. Yeah, I think. And maybe the self promotion that
1: rubs me the wrong way is is limited to those that only present that about themselves, and that's predominantly what they give to the people around them. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with sharing what you what you've made, mm-hmm. especially with like a group of friends, like on Facebook, like what, if you made something cool, like here, I did this, mm-hmm. you know, you might have a lot of people who are actually interested in what you do and that's what they'd look at. But if that's everything that you post on Facebook, like how ridiculous would that be? Gosh. If you had a friend that only, that was really good at making music, but all they did was say, oh, new songs out, listen to this, new songs out, listen to this. I just, yeah. I would get so tired of that after three or four times. Yeah. There's some artists, and it happens a lot with music, there's a site called Tone Den, I think, that does this, but the, the website will force you to follow the person on whatever medium, YouTube, oh, really? SoundCloud, Facebook, one of the three, or multiple of those, before you can download their song. And there are mm-hmm. some times where I think the song is great. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I want to play that in a, in one of my shows. Mm-hmm. I want to put my own twist on it. I want to see how it looks in audacity and kind of analyze it. But every time that they force me to follow them, I end up unfollowing them right away, which makes me sound like a horrible like horrible person to the eyes of some people yeah. I think. But <laughs> I really I really don't don't care too much because uh-huh. Chances are, if I liked your song enough to want to download it and look at it, I would follow you anyway. Yeah. But the idea that that you're forcing that upon people is just, it just, it rubs me the wrong way about what should, how should I be getting followers? Through making them? making them like me, which is really just an arbitrary thing on the internet points, like making them like me in order to get to my music. I I don't know, I want to be the one who is letting that be free for the taking. And then that's how I want people to flock to me as an artist is if I want to garner, or or what's the word? If I want to acquire a a great loyal following of people Mm -hmm. who are interested in what I do, it's not going to be by making them follow me getting uh, some number that I can show to a record label. Oh, look, I have this many followers. I made n- eight ninths of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I made I made the majority of them follow me uh, forcefully. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> that means nothing to me. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't. Food for thought perhaps. Yeah, social media is definitely a topic we should talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a few.
1: Yeah. Episodes that definitely touch on that—that comes up everywhere. Yeah, especially this being like a media content creation type of podcast, it's right. going to be uh, something that comes up quite a bit. So definitely, let's talk about your last point. All right, so this one is an Ira Glass quote, and I'll just read it. Maybe a lot of you have heard this before, but uh, definitely something I think he said in an interview. Yep. Just off the cuff, off the cuff. He didn't, he didn't plan this out. He didn't like write it meticulously and like edit. Mm -hmm. Uh, he he just said this off the cuff and Ira Glass, I believe was a radio radio host, which explains why he's so good at just talking. Yes, exactly. So um, I'm just going to read this quote. It's something that I shared with John a couple of years ago. Maybe just I thought it was interesting. It was, uh, I mean, it's very sensationalized in media amongst content creators, I think, as well. But uh, you get posters and various things from it. But I'll just read that, and there's some interesting points we can talk about. So here's what he says. Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me. All, All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there's this gap. For the first couple of years you make stuff, it's just not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have the special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you're just starting out or you're still in this phase, you've got to know it's normal. And most important thing you can do is just to do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you'll finish one story. It's only gonna be by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap. Your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took a lot longer to figure this out than anyone else I've ever met. It's gonna take a while. It's, going to, it's normal to take a while. You just gotta fight your way through. Yeah. So, making a lot <laughs> of things. Like, have we ever made a podcast before? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Do you think this podcast will be as good as
0: one, even 10 or 15 episodes down the oh, line? No. I mean, we didn't know the camera had a recording limit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, have, we have
1: a lot <laughs> to learn. Oh yeah. But, I mean, that's, that's how you learn is yeah. by making things. And you have to be able to, to actually do some work instead of just talking about it. And that's actually kind of why this podcast started is because we talk about making so many things. Yeah. And I think it was like a week ago, we mm-hmm. just had this, what if we just made a podcast there's this conversation I, and mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, that could actually, well, wait, let's actually do something. Yeah. So this is us starting to try to fill that gap mm-hmm. and it's only in one medium, but I'm sure what we learned here will carry over into cool. the other things that we do as well. Yes, completely. Um, one other point I wanted to look at in here is that, um, uh, the idea that your work disappoints you yeah. and yeah. I to be very honest with you, there is nothing that I have made as a creative artist, a music video. There's been nothing that I am completely satisfied with. Oh, same. Most, uh, don't know. I'd be like, ah, that's all right. Yeah. That's usually what I give myself yep. <laughs> after I'm done. Like, we made uh, a rap battle. I put
0: hundreds of hours into oh it and I was like, ah, that's, that's decent. Yeah. I made drone video for the school we go to. Went to. Uh, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> there's this.
1: There's always this little bit like, oh, I could have done that differently. Oh, I could have done that differently. Yeah. And I think that's the point I wanted to bring up is that I never want that to change. No. I never want to be completely satisfied with what I do. No. Because if you're
0: after that point, like, what is the point of making? I think you you really have to grow as an artist for that to happen. Yeah. And you to be never be never be satisfied. Standards always, get higher. Always be hungry for, for
1: something better. Yes. And I think you'll find that as a common theme amongst people who are maybe photography, I don't know what Vincent LaFerrey or Philip Bloom, like mm-hmm. do you think that they're satisfied with oh, this is perfect? No. I'm done. No. No. They're always trying to push that boundary a little bit further, even though they're at the very top of that. Oh, they're right. always trying to go one step farther. Yeah. And I hope that that's the same with me in making music, or making videos, or making podcasts. I never want to be content with what I've done. No. I'll be content to to stop working on that particular piece and move on. Mm-hmm. Which is maybe another topic for. Like, when do you know when to stop working on this one little podcast and then work on the next episode? And I I think the goal of this one is to not really edit anything. No, this is us raw. This is just raw us. Just us talking. We'll have one edit because of the the camera (laughs) problem. (laughs) And we'll have to kind of make that work into other things. But uh, we're just going to keep making things and continue to be disappointed with it and continue to try to make that uh, get better Yeah, and just always push the bar a little bit higher. Yes. Couldn't agree
0: more. um, Final thoughts? I suppose. Uh, What do you Um, you think? I think something that resonated with me was that constraint breeds creativity. Definitely. Um, and how we were not planning to have a constraint in this podcast yeah but now it was very meta it really was but it came at the perfect time it really (laughs) did it was incredible so so now we're going to be forced to be a bit more creative to find a workaround to i think it's going to make the show better oh definitely um it's going to force us to just get better Mm-hmm. And so being disappointed with work or saying not quite good enough yet, it then constraints be cre- breed creativity. Mm-hmm. That really stuck out to me. Definitely. Right, I
1: guess if I had a final thought, I would go back to the what versus the house. The first point I brought up mm-hmm. is that maybe something I should have put in my introduction is that I am obsessed with communication in all sorts of different forms. That's what I'm studying Um, in school right now. I'm trying to get my master's degree finished up, but Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just obsessed with this idea of how do you, how do messages become effective as a teacher, as a content creator, as a friend, as a whatever whatever you are, you're always communicating everything that you do, your yeah. posture, your nonverbals, what you say, and how you say it, I think is the thing that gets me the most is that what you say is important, so going back to the suicide squad is what what they did was important, and that was all right, but why they did it was just completely missing yep how they did it was kind of this ambiguous mm-hmm. like I mean, I can't look into the eyes of what they did, but yeah if their goal was to tell a story, which I believe should be the goal of every movie that's out there, unless yeah. there's some like different format or like yeah. some kind of off the cuff, interesting thing. But I think everything is really going to try to tell a story that sure. makes you relate to it in some way. And that was just gone. But that, and, and that's, I think communications kind of brings the answer to all, a lot of those different problems. Mm-hmm. Why am I saying what I'm saying? How is what I'm doing? getting my message across effectively. Yes. So that's communication and just in general, um, and then applied to specific instances is a huge passion of mine as well. And that's something we'll touch on, uh, in a later episode. Um, next week. Yes. Moving on, I suppose, uh, we will be talking about education, which as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, we are both education majors Mm -hmm. and, uh, teaching is the best way to learn. Yeah, it really is. And uh, so we'll have a lot of interesting points about that. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess that's about it for the first episode of 226. I'm John. I'm John. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.